in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment of the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Five UNLV players are now in the transfer portal. Caleb Grill is one of the five. He is the only starter that has gone in, only real regular rotation player, too, in the transfer portal. He joins Eduardo Delcadia, uh, Donovan Yap, Isaac Lindsay, and Jalen Martinez. I am cheering for Caleb Grill to follow TJ Otzelberger back to Iowa State, where he came from last season. I will say, I'm going to guess. Well, I shouldn't guess. Why not? You're going to take Iowa State. I will say he goes to Wichita State. Are you just, just picking a random school in the Midwest? No, he's he's from there. So I would say yeah. he, he goes. Okay. I, I mean, I'm just, just saying that. I don't know where. It would be a little weird to go back to Iowa State. Maybe they still have his locker or something. But I don't know. That'd be a little strange. Maybe not because of TJ's relationship with him. But. I think he goes somewhere else. I don't think he would go back to the same school. I would be great if he did. Iowa oh, if State, he did and he UNLV scored like 20 a Iowa game, State. it'd be awesome. I mean, come on. Well, yeah. the, well, the funny thing with Caleb Grill is at Iowa State, he was he was little used. Like, they basically put him in yes. the corner, shoot threes, and that, that was it. Here, he, I mean, not that he had great numbers, but he was probably the third or fourth most important player on the team. Like, he put up decent numbers. He shot the ball well. So, it's like Otzelberger definitely used him better than Steve Prohm did at Iowa State. Now, is that just because it's a lower level? I don't know. But I, I think if he went back to Iowa State, he certainly would have a good role on that team. Because the other part is, they were really bad last year. Like, they were worse than UNLV bad last year. So, he's he, if he goes there, he might walk in there and be their second best player. Uh, if he does, though, this would be interesting. If he goes there and averages, let's say, 15... The Iowa State fans will be even more mad at the prom guy they just fired. It's like, what, what happened here? Why didn't you play this guy more? He was actually good. Oh, my God. They just right? literally are just, we just had him. He left and now yeah. he came back. Exactly. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Thankfully, TJ's here. Next question. The Rockets traded Victor Oladipo to the Miami Heat. The Rockets got back for Oladipo, Avery Bradley, Kelly Olynyk, and a pick swap. Not a pick, a pick swap. I can't believe how badly the Miami Heat robbed the Rockets yesterday. Oh, what if Oladipo and Jimmy Butler go crazy? Like, they could challenge maybe the Sixers Nets with their coaching? I mean, oh. come on. Oh. With their coaching, Houston didn't get anything in return, right? I mean, I, I, no, you look they, at... I mean, Maybe they'll probably buy out Olympic. Bradley. Yeah, they're both uh, expiring contracts. Yeah. They like they might buy out both of them. Like that that yeah. could happen. And again, they didn't get a pick. They got a pick swap. Yeah, and they got a swap. They got a, they got a pick swap with a team that's better than them. Yes. You don't you don't swap your picks to get the worst pick. You swap the picks with a bad well, team. So they I legitimately mean, might like they might get zero games from Avery Bradley, zero games from Kelly Olynyk, and they won't use the pick swap. It's it's hilarious in that. So what are they sitting around saying? Oh, don't worry, Miami's going to lose a bunch of games. We'll be fine with the with this swap. So like, no, unless something crazy happens over the two months, you got absolutely nothing in this trade. I think the pick swap is in the future. I don't think it's for this upcoming draft. So there's a Still, chance in the there's future. There's a chance. But, 
But right now, Houston's in complete rebuild mode, and Miami's a solid team pretty much every year. There's very little chance in the next two or three years that Houston is better than Miami, and they want that pick swap. I, I think what ultimately happened here is... The Rockets thought they were going to get something decent for Victor Oladipo, and then they got to the actual trade deadline. Then noon came around, and they had nothing. And so they just traded him for literally anything, even though the Miami Heat sent absolutely nothing for Victor right. Oladipo. So I I think it's a terrific job by the Heat to basically swoop in at the last minute and say, well, we'll try to give you something and convince the Rockets that nothing was something. Do either of you have any, like, comment on the fact that every single NBA player named Gary was traded yesterday? (laughs) How many NBA players are named Gary? Three. But all three of them were traded. Gary Harris was traded to Orlando. Gary Clark was traded to Denver. And Gary Trent Jr. was traded to Toronto. Uh, I also saw yesterday that Gary Trent Sr. was once traded uh, from Portland to Toronto as well. So a father and son were both traded by the same team to the same team. They were both sent to Canada. Just sent yes. and out into the cold. Yes. I the other the other uh, fun <laughs> saddle names. What's what's better? Every Gary in the NBA got traded yesterday, or that every NBA player that's been named TJ has played for the Indiana Pacers. <laughs> uh how many are how many have been named TJ? Four. <laughs> I, I actually think that's more impressive because that's really hard to get onto one team over time. Yeah, they so they had three I'll say that more time. than the Gary. Yeah, they I'll, I'll say that time. more than Gary's. Okay, I'll say that more than Gary's. Yeah, okay, TJ's greater than Gary's. <laughs> all, right, yes. all right, but is anyone naming their kid Gary anymore? <laughs> that's a good like, point. Like if that I, is a good point. If, if I was married yesterday and named Gary, I'd be looking at the news going, I, I mean, I hope my wife's not on the phone. I know. That's a great question. I know one Wait a minute, Gary. Before we move on, yeah, I was going to say, I don't know a Gary. I know one. And it's not short for anything, right? No, no. It's okay. Not, well, like is, it Ger- is it Gerard? That's Doesn't that go to J- Jerry, not Gary? Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, I, I only know one Gary, and I'm trying to think. I've got to be honest. I think I've only known one Gary in my life. It's this guy. So you're a twenty. I mean, other than yeah, other than yeah. like athletes that you know their names, but like personally, I think I've known one Gary. You're a twenty-two-year-old athlete, and you have the name of a sixty-five-year-old man, yeah. Gary. <laughs> wow. How awkward is that? Like, all right, Gary. Like both you and an assistant coach walk over. <laughs> Great question. Thank That's you. Fun. Rajon Rondo was traded to the Clippers. The Atlanta Hawks got back Lou Williams. So that means Lou Williams gets to go back to Atlanta. If you remember during the bubble, Lou Williams left for a personal reason. He went to a strip club uh, and had to basically got in trouble because he wasn't supposed to go to any restaurant at the time, but he went to a strip club. And he said that he went for the wings, not for the actual strip club. And it turned out to be true because they have wings named after Lou Williams at Magic City Strip Club in Atlanta. Yeah, a couple things off this. Lou Williams said if he was uh, traded, he would retire. Still waiting for that. Not sure if that's going to happen. Rondo (laughs) is going to be interesting. Uh, they They needed kind of a lead guard if he's... I guess if he's the Rondo from the playoffs last year, then it's a good trade, but we'll see. He can get a, you know, Rondo can, you know, turn angry at times, and you don't know how he's going to be chemistry-wise, but 
I don't think it's a bad trade for the Clippers. I it's it's weird that the Clippers now playing the Raiders continue to send draft picks, and I don't think the Clippers will have a draft pick for like the next twenty years because um, they just keep throwing draft picks into all these trades. But I think it's a good trade for the Clippers. I you know you got to hope Rondo's like he was like in the playoffs last year, not the Rondo that's averaging four points. But I I didn't I think it's a good trade for them, and you know the the, the rewards probably more than the risk. I am the reason I'm fascinated with the Rondo part is simply because he played for the Lakers last year, and so mm-hmm. if we get Lakers Clippers in the playoffs, now Rondo's on the other LA team this year. Yeah, and that could be interesting. By the way, quick update: I do know a Gary, Gary Lawless. Oh, oh we oh. all know a Gary. I know two Garys. Oh, a second <laughs> one. Oh, I'll tell you what. Uh, like, did you <laughs> see? We, all right, this needs to be. Uh, did, we need to just keep this as a running bit. Like, hey, I met a Gary yesterday. <laughs> Did you see um, between the second and third period last night, Gary Lawless? Yes, I mean, was yeah, something notable. Yeah. No, I, I thought he did a good job. He went after them, man. You don't see that a lot in terms of, uh, you know, on the other side of things there with that team. I mean, he went after them pretty hard. Not that he didn't have good reason. They gave up four goals and looked like they couldn't <laughs> nope. even stay on the ice with those guys. But, uh Gave him a golf clap at the house, man. He, he did not hold back. Added you don't see grace. that a lot with that team, Tyler. Oh, boy. Uh, that is, Ed, if there's one period that you're allowed to say the Golden Knights sucked, even if you work for the Golden Knights, it yes. was the second period last <laughs> night. GMGM today? Gary, it's GMGM. We need to talk. <laughs> did you guys see that Buffalo Wild Wings tweeted at Lou Williams, welcome home, lemon pepper wings on us when you get to Atlanta? <laughs> And Magic City Kitchen, the strip club that has wings named after it, went, you guys know it's, you should delete this, right? (laughs) That's a great, great question. Oklahoma City now has 34 picks over the next seven NBA drafts. Do they got some of the Rams picks? Probably. They have have some of the Raiders rounders and 17 (laughs) second rounders. That has got to be the most impressive stockpiling of assets that oh. won't turn into anything you've ever seen. Right, right. Exactly. I was just thinking that. Like NBA picks. second rounders. Well, they're going to probably be, well, they're buying the lottery, but it, with their with their luck, they'll have all those picks and like never be near the, like, the top two or three. And it'll just be like, we keep picking 11th. What do we do with all these picks? I, they're going to have the best summer league team for like oh my a decade. God. Oh. They're, they're yes, going to be yes. unbeatable in the summer league. Their yes. G League team is going to be oh, can't miss ESPN Plus viewing. Yes. I do I do hope Oklahoma City at some point is like decent in the near future. That way they can they can be like, "Well, we can offer you seven first round picks <laughs> for that player at the deadline <laughs> because we have 10 more after that." So I kind of hope they're decent at some point just so we can see them throw these picks around to trade for players. Paul George is still like, nope, not waving the no trade. Not going back. Next question. The United States beat Jamaica 4-1 to yesterday. Ed, we're going to win the World Cup in 2026. Uh, very excited. Are we still following the Australian team? Yes, we yes. can follow oh, multiple okay. soccer teams. All right, can, although we're, all right as long we're as we can follow about, multiple teams. I'm we're not talking about Western Sydney Wanderers. They lost 4-1 to last night, so we should not bring them up anymore. Wait, wait. On the same night the United States won 4-1, to our team lost 4-1? to That is that is correct. The same things happened. 
It's almost wow. like a team made of our best players in this country is better than a like you uh, know a random smattering of players from Australia. I really don't want that jersey now. Come on, I'll take <laughs> t- Tyler. I'll take his. He doesn't have one. I have a I have a pristine Bryce Petty Jets jersey that that we could straight one to one trade. Next question. All right, last one. UNLV Volleyball won the Mountain West Championship last night. There you go. Hey, they, it's uh, good for them. They're undefeated, I think. Right? They are in, undefeated, in yes. So it is the them. second Mountain West title for UNLV. They won the women's swimming and diving earlier as well. I'm telling you, this athletic department is really good, aside from the two sports that people care about, football and men's basketball. Everything else ah. is like, yeah, they're good, except for the two that make money. Yeah, no... Uh... I mean, you know, the, the, stat, the evidence is what it is, but good for them. Undefeated. That's a great year. Get the automatic bin to the NCAA tournament. I guess they're uh, – I saw it last night. I, I'm probably mistaken. I thought Omaha or somewhere they're going to bubble them and go for just one uh, – like everyone else is going for one championship. So, uh, yeah, good for them. Under, you, yep. can't, you know, it's about winning championships, so congratulations. And they, they will be in the NCAA champ- or tournament yeah. because of winning the conference. All right, coming up next – Lon Kruger is coming back to UNLV. Maybe. Now's your chance to win a couple of tickets to Cowabunga Bay. We've got two tickets for caller number three to Cowabunga Bay. 702-364-1100. 702-364-1100 is the number if you would like a pair of tickets to go to Cowabunga Bay. 702-364-1100. Caller number three at 702-364-1100. Yo, made me stay on them and- um, you know, just he's like my like little brother, you know, for the most part. And um, just watching him grow and mature throughout the um, years and as a player and as a person, as a father, as a human being, um, it's just great to see. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. Lon Kruger is retiring from Oklahoma. And UNLV fans want him to come back and coach at UNLV. You think that's going to happen, Ed? No. Well, <laughs> he's going to have he's going to have a role. Um, uh, Sam Gordon just tweeted one of his quotes from his um, his press conference this morning. You know, everyone knew it would come to an end at some point. We didn't we didn't expect it to be right now. Said so he's going to spend more time with his family, including Kevin, his son. It all came together at the same time. Kruger said. So I was thinking about this last night because I know Kevin. Uh, had uh, I think it was Mike Romali he told, hey, you can be on the staff if you want. I, I think it's a unique balance for Lon coming back because I don't think there's any question he'd like to be around the program and help his son kind of navigate his first year as a head coach. But also there's the balance situation here where you have to allow him to be the head coach and to start his career as a head coach and kind of to be the guy going out. And Lon, I think, is pretty self-effacing in terms of I don't think he'd want to be the story. So if you're telling me he's going to be an advisor and, you know, be around practice some days and definitely in the film room with those guys and kind of taking him through that sense, I don't know if he'd sit on the bench or not. I think that would be it. I don't know if he'd, you know, embrace being on the staff because you're on the staff. That means a lot of different things. But an advisory role, I think he will do it. But knowing him, my guess he wants kind of Kevin to step into the spotlight now and kind of to be the guy. And that's probably the best thing, you know, at some point. Kevin's got to step in and be the head coach and prove himself. So it's going to be interesting, but 
I don't think there's any question he's going to be around. He's not going to be on the program. He'll be around the program, and he should be, I'd, given how you know what an incredible career he had. I'd be surprised if he's one of the three assistants yeah. that you're allowed yeah. to have. That would be somewhat of That'd a be surprise. Yeah, because I mean he retired. That's right. You don't retire and then take an assistant coaching job at a lesser no. school. But no. I, I think that like when when Marvin Menzies was here, Joe Esposito was the uh, special assistant to the head yes. coach. And I yeah. think that's a that's a title that Lon Kruger might end up with if he does officially end up on the staff. He might not. They might not even officially put him on the staff. They might just say, "Hey, do it for free. You're his dad." Right. So, right. I, yeah, I, um, I am interested to see what happens with uh, with Lon Kruger and Kevin Kruger. But I think it's like if you're if you're a UNLV fan, if you're Kevin Kruger, or if you're Desiree Francois. I think it's all good news. Like all of this is great that he Lon Kruger's coming back to Las Vegas and even if you don't officially hire him, that there's some level of of help or support that Kevin Kruger can be like, huh, this guy's done it for like four decades. What does he think? What if they made Lon a professor? Like he has to teach a class. You know what I actually prefer, Jared? Make him graduate assistant so he has to go to class. Oh my god, that's so good. <laughs> How much would Lon sit in the front row and have his notebook out before the teacher came in? Like, ready to take notes? Like, be by far the smartest, most studious kid in class, and like just sitting there with his laptop open, ready to go? You're an eight, like, you're an 18 year old kid. You're like, I'm getting my ass kicked by Lon Kruger. Yes. Um, Lon Kruger keeps ruining the curve. Yeah. He'll, uh, he'll be around the program. Like I said, if it's, if it's just at practice, you know, and Kevin can walk over and he can say, hey, what do you see? You're in film room. What do you see? Um, that's invaluable. You know, we've talked in the past, other guys who've done that. You just said Joe Esposito. You know, Steve Lavin did that with Gene Keaty at St. John's. He had him kind of as an advisor, you know, to take him through, you know, being a head coach. Um, and, you know, let me ask you this. This is interesting. Someone said this because the timing has worked out very well here. Was this, hey, he's going to retire this year. He will be around the program. So Matt Norlander of CBS Sports tweeted out yesterday that the original timeline was for Lon Kruger to retire after the next season. So he would have coached okay. this year and then he was going to retire. But right. one of the reasons it got sped up by a year was Kevin Kruger taking the job here and, or getting the job here and Anselberger leaving. So I, if, if you believe that, then Kevin or Lon Kruger was going to retire and he just... Uh, sped it up by one year because hey kevin's now a head coach and i can move back to las vegas and and help him out so i think there's a level of this of lon seeing that and saying hey that'd be a fun opportunity to retire a year early and get back and watch kevin be a head coach of his own program right yeah i mean you're probably right you know it's 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 like you said he just said at his press conference a few minutes ago the timing worked out perfectly I think a lot of that has to have a lot of that has to do with Kevin getting the job. I don't know what else timing he would mean, especially if he was going to go one more year. It's got to be Kevin getting the job. So anything he can do to help Kevin's going to help Kevin. But I'll go back to my original point. I think he will allow Kevin to step into the spotlight, which he should, and kind of just be an advisor. I mean, this is Kevin's time, and you know I think his father's really proud of him. But you know it can't be, hey, we need an interview. Where's Lon? I mean. <laughs> Like, that can't happen. So, And I don't think it would happen because I think Lon would just kind of be in the background helping him as much as he could and let Kevin kind of, you know, be the be the head coach. Under yeah. over on gratuitous shots of Lon Kruger sitting in the crowd on, you know, sports1.net games. I, gosh, if Tyler's right on the t 
title. He might be on the bench. He might be a second row of the bench. Okay. It's still, there's oh. still going to be like gratuitous. Yeah. There will be a lot of shots early on the first year on uh, CBS. Well, you got to cut down though. If we say like six a game, it's really only going to be two because we won't see the game until like two minutes into the second quarter because they'll be playing <laughs> the previous minutes. game. What are you talking about? They'll be about? playing the previous game, so it was going to be six. But since they joined the UNLV game in the you know in in, in with ten minutes left in the first half, um, yeah, that that cuts out some. So here's here's what's ha- here's what happens on TV broadcasts uh, for like Mountain West games and all across college sports. Because the TV announcers will do, a, they'll do about three or four UNLV games, but because they're doing so many different teams, there ends up only being about five or six talking points that every single announcing crew has every single game that a team plays. That's why last year at the end of the season, every announcing crew was talking about how great Bryce Hamilton was when he was having a horrific season. Yeah. It's because they have the same five or six talking points and they don't go away. If Lon Kruger is officially on staff, if he gets hired as special assistant or whatever it is, that is going to be one of the five or six talking points, and we are going to hear it multiple times in every single game UNLV plays. They do, uh, because of what you said, because they do so many games, so few Mountain West games, I don't know who's more ill-prepared. Those guys are Barkley on the NCAA tournament, and it's a, <laughs> it might be a wash. because. Well, Barkley I mean, would have no idea who any of the players for no, UNLV. No, exactly. No. If you gave Barkley where, a game, where's Larry no Johnson? Where's Larry right. Johnson? Is it's like here? when it's like when uh, Reggie Miller called one of the Mountain West Championship games, and he called Marvell Harris, who was the Player of the Year for Fresno State, Marvell Harrison the entire game, <laughs> Player of the Year in the conference, and Reggie Miller got his name wrong for the entire championship yeah. game. Like that's that's what happens when you put Charles Barkley into a Mountain West basketball. Oh God, can you imagine him calling a Mountain uh, West basketball game? No, that would that would be a complete disaster. Every UNLV game that's on TV will have a Lon Kruger segment the first season. Yes, yes, it absolutely. Will. Even yeah. if he doesn't get hired, it's probably going to make it into their talking points. But if he if he does get hired, it absolutely is. They'll have a full Even- screen graphic every single game ready to go. <laughs> Even if it's an afternoon game, we hear Lon's on the fifth hole out at Shadow Creek. Uh, you know, Lon is father to Kevin Kruger, the head coach here at UNLV. Here's it. We go live to Shadow. Let's go live to. Let's go live to the fifth to the par five fourth. Does, does it get mentioned on a UNLV football game broadcast? Because I feel like oh. it might. Well. He'll probably go to a game or he'll two in Allegiant yeah, to see Allegiant. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you could get him in the crowd, sure. Maybe, you know, he'd probably get a press pass. Uh, Arroyo would probably let him down on the field. So, yeah, he, that might get mentioned there. All right. Coming up next, Doug Farrar joins the show to talk the NFL offseason. I say this all the time. Drew is probably the reason that I was able to be have the success that I've had. Um, I mean, like leadership, you say you don't know what it is. I mean, I don't know what it is either, but if – I could define it, it would be Drew Brees. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Joining us now is Doug Farrar with USA Today. Check out his book, The Genius of Desperation, The Schematic Innovations That Made the Modern NFL. By the way, on on that note, innovations and modern NFL, what would you think of Nick Saban this morning talking about you can't win with defense, special teams, and field position anymore? You know, I loved it, and 
it's funny because just from his personality, we kind of see Nick Saban as this, you know, stone-faced, you know, I'm going to do it my way. And he really never has been that way. He's always been very adaptable. He was a Browns head coach in the early 90s. The Steelers, I think they, the Steelers beat the Browns three times in one season, twice in the regular season, once in the playoffs. And it was four receiver sets against Nick's sort of spot drop, country, cover one, cover three that everyone played at the time. And Saban said, you know what, I'm going to combine cover one and cover three and kind of invent match coverage for the modern NFL. And that's what he did. So five or six years ago, Saban said, you know what, everyone's you know kicking our butts with RPOs, even though we're Alabama and, like, you know, 13 of our defensive guys are future first-round picks. <laughs> so he went to that RPO game. And if you watch Alabama's offense last year with Matt Jones and Waddle and Devontae Smith, they were, I mean, just what they did to Ohio State, that, that should be not safe for work. So it's great <laughs> to see coaches adapting. And I kind of, being in Seattle, I kind of want to send that thing to Pete Carroll. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. you got to run the ball over and over and over again. Resign Chris Carson yep. and just keep running it. When you have is, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and you're, you know, annoying Russell Wilson, <laughs> probably not a good move. Uh, everyone assumed that Lawrence is the guy, but is it supplanted now that nobody, or at least uh, Urban Meyer, did not go to Provo, Utah for the uh, BYU Pro Day today? <laughs> yeah, I think he's pretty safe at number one with the guy he wants, and I think he's fine with that. Uh, I did Matt Miller, who used to work with me at Bleacher Report, now has his own site, and Matt always does great work. He said that... Uh, on Twitter that each team is allowed three representatives at BYU's Pro Day, and the Jets have their, I think, their head coach, their offensive coordinator, their quarterback's coach. So look for Zach Wilson at two, I guess. Was, so do you have any any hot takes on who the second-best quarterback is in this draft? I think it's Wilson. Um, there are things about fields I like, um, and there was this thing you know, a couple weeks ago about how he's a one-read guy. I don't think that's the case. I do think, and it showed up in a couple of games, his processing speed needs to ramp that up a little bit. But that's common among college quarterbacks, and I think it'll be fine. Um, I'd probably put Fields three. I'd probably put Trey Lance and Mac Jones tied at four. I think the more I looked at Lance in that Central Arkansas game, you know, the, the one game he played in 2020 was kind of his one bad game. And that was the only time I saw him because everyone talks about, oh, Trey Lance had a bad game through his first NFL NCAA interception. And we don't talk about the fact that Central Arkansas' defense kind of brought the hammer of the gods. They did a lot of interesting, almost Todd Bowles-ish coverage switches. They blitzed a lot. Lance was 0 for 6 on uh, passes of 20 air yards or more. So I think Trey Lance has all the tools you would want. I mean, my comp for him is Steve McNair. Smaller school guy was told by the bigger school that he'd have to switch to a different position. He said, no, I'm going to bat myself as a quarterback. And I think Lance is great. I think he'll probably be taken in the high first round. And unless he sits for a year, I don't know. You know, Mac Jones, I think, has all the tools you want, except he has virtually no ability to improvise outside the pocket and second reaction ability. And if, it was, if this was 1995, that'd be fine. He could sit back there and be Dan Marino all day. In today's NFL, you need guys who can deal with blitzes and stunts and all that and work outside the pocket and, you know, invent past what the plan is once the plan blows up. So we heard what Saban said, and you were talking, you just said about today's NFL uh, and how the game has changed. 
if you look down five years, is it just too obvious to say Lawrence will translate the best? Or could you see one of these other guys, because of how the game is played now, to be in five years like, oh, looking back, hey, they should have taken that guy number one? Well, I think it's a good question. I was talking to my colleague at Touchdown Wire, Mark Schofield, uh, about this last week. We were talking about Zach Wilson. I said, you know, to me, Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence also does this. Trey Lance does it in a, in a developmental sense, as does uh, Fields. In today's NFL, what I've observed is that the quarterbacks who succeed consistently and, and sort of exponentially, you have two things. You have the ability to make deep shot throws downfield consistently and accurately, and you have, as I mentioned, with what Mac Jones doesn't have, second reaction ability. What happens when your first or second read is completely obfuscated by pressure or coverage or whatever? Can you work outside the pocket? Do you coordinate with your receivers on scramble drills and all that? So that's sort of option two, and it's all kind of glued together by the play action and run action. Um, I think when Ryan Tannehill went to Tennessee, you saw the perfect example of that, because Tannehill in college, he was a receiver his first two years. He's a lot more athletic than people think. Uh, you know, Mitchell Trubisky, the only time he's ever been good is off of boot action. That's the only thing he's ever done well in the NFL. So, I think in today's NFL and where it goes in the future, if you have a quarterback who can make those deep shots and use second reaction ability and it's all tied together with play action, I think for the most part, now there are always going to be outliers because I've said this before and people respond with, what about Tom Brady? I'm like, well, yeah, he's Tom Brady. I brought up Mac Jones being purely a pocket guy. And, well, Tom Brady's a pocket guy. Well, first of all, he's Tom Brady. Second of all, Brady probably has the best in-pocket movement I've ever seen. He's like, you know, he's like Sugar Ray Leonard in the pocket in that, in a, that's a small, small in a boxing ring area. So whenever you compare the outlier to the norm, you kind of have an issue. Um, but I would say where the quarterback position is going, that's where it's going. If your only path to success is, well, just be Tom Brady, you don't have many paths to success. It's, you know, it, it does, it, it reduces your options. I'll put it that way. <laughs> um Doug, I'm, I'm curious what you think about the uh, Raiders deconstructing their offensive line and basically turning this a project for Tom Cable to try to make good. Yep. Well, as I said, I reside in Seattle. Uh, I have covered the Seahawks officially. <laughs> I've had a credential since 2010, so I've seen the whole thing built under Pete Carroll and Josh Snyder. And when Tom Cable was here, he really enjoyed taking, like, Division two undrafted defensive linemen and moving them over to center or guard. Tom is an inveterate tinkerer. He likes to think outside the box and sort of put things. And I believe when he joined the Raiders, they had, I know at one point they did last year, a couple of years ago, maybe when he joined them, they also did. They had per cap hits in that year, the most expensive offensive line in the NFL. And obviously, with all these trades and you know whatever dead money they've incurred, they still they've offloaded a lot. And we can sit here and question the validity of that all day. Uh, losing Rodney Hudson, not a good thing. Uh, I'll say that. <laughs> uh, but but I think going forward, I don't have any inside knowledge. But my speculation is, you know, they're looking at their their financial situation. They're looking at the positions they need to improve, and they're saying. We have a metric boatload of money in our offensive line. Tom Cable, can we turn this around on the cheap? And Tom Cable has always believed that, yes, I can. Now, his record of success with that in Seattle was not great. Uh, maybe he'll have learned from those mistakes in Seattle and 
push it forward. I will say, outside of Josh Allen, Buffalo's quarterback, I didn't see one player improve so much from 19 to 20 as I saw Colton Miller improve. He was a completely different guy. And you have to put that down to Cable's coaching. So maybe he'll have it a bit more on the ball this time around than he did in Seattle. But, yeah, it's it's looking at it from the outside, it's pretty weird. Do you, and I don't want to suggest uh, Belichick makes Belichick makes much mis, many mistakes, but he appears to have signed forty two guys in the offseason. So, given right. what this free agent class was going in and what you thought of it, uh, who gets the advantage here? So, uh, teams who have signed a lot, or maybe teams like the Super Bowl champions who have just kind of brought everyone back. Well, the Buccaneers did an amazing job of bringing everyone back, as you said. You know, they uh, they franchise Godwin, they got. Um, I believe they just re-signed Dominic Sue, which was a sneaky good move. You know, they got Shaquille Barrett back. So they're going for two, and obviously, when you have it, that's another thing about Brady, is he tends to attract people coming back. That, hey, I'll win another Super Bowl. That's great. Um, look at the Browns last year. The one thing, that's a, because it's the Browns, people make fun of them. That is a legit 11-5 and team. That is a team that was a couple of weird plays away from, you know, an opportunity to maybe go to the Super Bowl. And the one thing they had, and I don't blame the players, they had four box safeties and no one who could play deep. Well, they signed Don Johnson, the safety from the Rams, who was one of the more underrated players in the NFL. And they signed Troy Hill from the Rams as kind of their slot outside guy. You get the Browns with a legit secondary, and Denzel Ward is a top-five corner in this league. I don't agree Williams' injury situation. I don't know. Maybe they draft another corner in the draft, select another corner in the draft, but the Browns did well. Uh, the Broncos need to overhaul their secondary, and they did. Sets them up that they want to in the draft to move on from Drew Locke, which I kind of think they should. I had Justin Fields going to Denver in my latest mock. Uh, the Patriots, you know, they did a lot, and people are saying, well, Belichick is just correcting the mistakes in free agency that he's made in the draft. And my response is, yeah, so that's what you're supposed to do. If you make mistakes in the draft, you correct them in free agency. And I think with Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry and Nelson Aguilar, and since you guys are in Vegas, you know this. Nelson Aguilar's deep numbers, numbers in the deep receiver were comparable to Tyree Kills last year. He turned into a legitimate deep threat in John Gruden's offense. So now you have, with Hunter Henry, that sort of backside ISO tight end, and you have Aguilar as the guy who can win against a linebacker or a safety as the inside slot guy on the other side, and that offense goes from, you know, kind of pathetic in the receiver sense to all of a sudden, hey, we have we have liftoff here. Whether that's a cam or a quarterback in draft, I don't know, but the Patriots, when you break it down, they did really well. Well, we, we can tell you being in Las Vegas, like the Broncos, the Raiders had to rebuild their entire secondary. They've done nothing. So, <laughs> yeah, unlike the Broncos. That's be a problem. <laughs> That's going to be a problem. That, that has been a problem. And I know, you know, one of the teams that changed defensive coordinators. I thought the Raiders played well defensively down the stretch, but, yeah, that, that's a personal thing. And, and maybe that's one of the reasons they said, hey, we want to offload our entire offensive line, but when you don't, then converse to come back and, as you said, reconstitute your secondary. It kind of makes everyone wonder what you're doing. Uh, Doug, you wrote a story on Kyle Pitts and why he can't be better in the NFL than he was in college, the tight end from Florida. I am curious, whenever you're looking at you know prospects and where they get drafted and how good they're going to be in the NFL, with the Kyle Pitts, how much do you think of that is going to be determined simply by what team he ends up on? As far as his success, I mean, 
this is a guy who, if if he were, let's take the tight end designation out. If Kyle Pitts came into this draft as just a receiver, I would, you know, Jamar Chase is my number one. Probably Devontae Smith is my number two. Jalen Waddle's probably my number three. You know, when I put Pitts above um, either Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle based on the quarterback he had and Kyle Trask as opposed to the quarterback that other guys had and Mac Jones, I might. Because, as I pointed out with several tape examples in the piece, Kyle Trask was the, uh, the NCAA's ultimate matchup nightmare because no one knew how to cover him. And Trask was throwing late with this kind of weird hitch in his delivery all the time. He presented very few favorable options. So you get Kyle Trask in the NFL, and in my latest mock, I had him going four to the Falcons, which would make him the highest drafted tight end in professional football history. But you get him with Arthur Smith, who was a genius in Tennessee as their offensive coordinator with two and three tight end sets. And Matt Ryan, who has shown it, you know, proven to have a few things on the ball uh, over his career. And this is a guy who, I mean, I would compare him to someone you're very familiar with in Darren Waller. Um, you know, with maybe even more blocking ability. This is a special player. This is a tight end that, in the right system, could, you know, I don't want to get into the whole generational thing, but he could he could help to redefine the position as Waller has, as Travis Kelsey has, as, you know, Gronk in his prime. Um, he's at that level. So if you see a tight end taking top five and it's Kyle Pitts, don't be surprised. Well, he is Doug Farrar. Again, follow him on Twitter at NFL underscore Doug Farrar. Uh, Doug, we appreciate it this morning. Thanks, Doug. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, In other news, the uh, Super Bowl champions have signed Leonard Fournette. So everyone's coming back. Bring them all back. Running back. (laughs) Bring them all back. The Raiders didn't even get to talk to him. Yeah, well, that's that's because they've got wide receivers in the building, Jared. Oh, that's true. They wasted their time on Willie Sneed. They could have another running back. Uh, he, I don't know if he's a joker, though. I don't know if he could. No, he's not. He's not, he's not a joker. joker. No, he's not a joker. All right. Uh, we need a new sharp. 702-364-1100 is the number. Uh, Robert lost yesterday with Golden State Sacramento going way over. The- oh, wait. No, I'm a liar. I'm a liar. Yeah. We don't need a new sharp. I thought Robert no. had the under. He had the over. Had the and over. It went way over. Sorry, Robert. Sorry. Please ignore me. We'll call Please you in a bit, me. Robert. Yes. <laughs> William Hill is giving you a free 50 bucks to bet. When you sign up for a new mobile sports account, use the promo code GET50. That is get five zero. And then when you make a minimum of $50 in sports bets, you'll get a free 50 bucks in your account from William Hill. You get a free $50, and you can place all your bets straight from your phone. It is Bet50, Get50 from William Hill. Just remember the promo code GET50. For more details, visit williamhill.us. It's time to find the sharp. Brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. Robert is back. He has won the last two days. Golden State Sacramento went way over yesterday. So, Robert, you got the whole weekend to pick from. What are you looking for? Wow, the whole weekend to pick from. Let's see. Um, let's let's go with Loyola of Chicago. All right. So they are six and a half point favorites. So Loyola, Chicago, minus six and a half. Let's do it. All right. So we got you in for Loyola at minus six and a half against Oregon State. Uh, Good luck, Robert. We'll be talking to you on Monday if they pull that off. Take care, Robert. Thanks, guys.
All right. So, so he's he's a Mosier guy. Porter Mosier. Porter Mosier. Uh, by the way. Potential UNLV head coach. Eh, not anymore. Uh, Shaka Smart is leaving Texas to take the Marquette job. Only um, makes sense. Yeah, I don't know if it does, but uh, he was making $3.2 million at Texas. Uh, Steve Wojciechowski, who just got fired from Marquette, was getting paid $1.7. So I'm very curious how much money Marquette's going to be paying Shaka Smart because it sounds like he's taking a pay cut, and it might be a pretty substantial pay cut to leave Texas and go to Marquette. Well, I'm still wondering if he's a UNLV coach because he's going home to Milwaukee. So, um, yeah, <laughs> this is going home to your dream job. You know, he, he was a Milwaukee kid, probably growing up saying, I want to be the Marquette coach. This, uh, we were talking about it during the break with Jared. Look, the last two or three years, uh, at the end of the year, it's always, will Shaka survive? Or is he, are they going to blow him out of Texas? Um, they lost the first round this year. I don't think they were firing him. They did get to the NCAA tournament. But if you're him and Shaka's made a lot of money, and you have a sense or at least a feeling from your AD that kind of the seat's really, really hot right now, and you do, and you know, let's not discount it, you do get to go home in this sense, you do get to go back to where you're from, I guess it, I mean, it doesn't make any sense in terms of just putting the programs, the support, the money, everything one-on-one, but there's there's mitigating factors because I don't know what his support was at Texas anymore. So, yeah, it kind of was shocking until you kind of get to the second and third level and say, well, maybe this is why he's doing it. Shaka was shocking? Shaka was shocking. Uh, Shaka I'm going to turn off my mic after that. Yeah, Shaka <laughs> Smart um, had two years left on his contract, and according to Burnt Orange Nation, his it was fully guaranteed. Like, his buyout was 100% of what was left. So if he just simply got fired, he would have gotten, like, six-plus million dollars for to, to go away, which we always say, uh, hey – you want to be a fired college coach because you get paid not to coach. But eh, if it's not a great environment, if you're not happy, yeah, go home to Marquette. Um, here's a tweet for you, Ed, from Jeff Borzello. Chris Beard's buyout to go to another Big 12 school drops to $4 million on April 1st. $2 million for any school outside the Big 12. Just, you know, in case anyone is randomly wondering this morning. Listen, I... I, I don't know much, but I know this. $4 million to Texas won't be a problem if that's what they want to do. Not so, at all. Is Chris Beard Texas gonna has more money than God. Is Chris Beard going to find another home, another dream job? Boy, I'll tell you one thing. Texas will send three planes and a train to get that guy with as much money as Texas has. Even Texas Tech can't compete with what the Longhorns would bring in. So, I mean, wouldn't he be the first? I mean, I don't know if he's the first one. Isn't he one of the first ones you call? He went to Texas. I'd be yeah, calling him. Come on. Be a, oh, be another a, guy going home. How about all yeah. these guys going home? Well, ah. he was born in Georgia, so 